Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into the living hope through the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you. Our text for our sermon is John chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. Holy Father, protect them by your name, which you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I kept those you gave me safe in your name. I protected them, and not one of them was destroyed, except the son of destruction, so that the scriptures might be fulfilled. But now I'm coming to you, and I'm saying these things in the world, so that they may be filled with my joy. I have given them your word. The world hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I'm not asking that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also sent them into the world. I sanctify myself for them, so they also may be sanctified by the truth. This is the gospel history of our Lord. It is the night that Jesus will be betrayed. He, Judas had already left to go betray him. Jesus had already instituted and celebrated the Lord's Supper. They finished the Passover feast. He gave the disciples, the 11, many instructions when he says his high priestly prayer in today's text is part of that. After this, they will be in the Garden of Gethsemane where he will ultimately be betrayed. And if you translate literally one of the key verses of our sermon text today, translating it from the inspired Greek language, verse 13, Jesus says, Yet I am now coming to you and am speaking these things in the world in order that they may keep on having the joy, specifically the joy that is mine, having been filled to the full in themselves. Joy? These men are going to be sifted like wheat that night. Every one of these men is going to die a martyr's death except for one, John. And John, in his 90s, will be exiled by the Roman government on the island of Patmos. How can we talk about a joy like that? How, what is this joy of Jesus? I've yet to meet a Christian who runs around as if they're in a drug-induced high with a grin always on their face. And there are some who seem to be very fake about that because they think, I just have to be happy in the Lord. And you almost want to say, calm down. Do you know the misery around you? So today we'll ask that question, how do you have Christ's joy? And to answer that question, we'll jump, at, jump in right at verse 11. Jesus says, and so I am no longer in the world, and yet they on their part keep on being in the world, and I myself am coming to you. Jesus is going to purchase and win these disciples to be his flock the very next morning when their sins and your sins and my sins will be put upon him on the cross. He's going to die. He's going to leave the world. He's also going to rise again, and he's going to ascend into heaven to rule over all things. And so he says, I myself have given your word to them, and the world hates them since they are not from the world, just as I myself am not from the world. Jesus is saying a mouthful here. See, you and I in our natural condition are physically part of this world, aren't we? We have a sinful nature that is with us until the day that we depart this world. But 
by trust in Christ's constant obedience to the law that he kept it perfectly for you, by trust that Christ did all the work for your salvation, when that message comes to you, the Holy Spirit enters your heart and gives you that new person that is engrafted to Christ as a branch is to the vine. That is pure spiritual stuff there. That is not stuff of this world. And so you have a major part of you, the part that is eternal, that's going to outlast the grave, that is not part of this world at all. He continues saying, I'm not asking that you take them from the world, but that you keep an eye on them to keep them separate from the evil one. They are not from the world, just as I myself am not from the world. I don't want to discuss the politics of it, but I want to use an example. It is exploding in our news right now that we have a mass surge of South Americans migrating across our border. And sad to say with that, a lot of them have a tactic. And, and I, there are lousy parents out there, but I truly think that there's most of them have a good intention. There's a tactic in which they're sending their children across the border in hopes that their children will then gain citizenship, trusting on the mercy and the bounty of our nation. And then when their children have that citizenship, they will be reunited and be able to enter into this land that even in our economic recessions is very prosperous compared to the nations they're coming from. They ache for that citizenship. Now, sad to say, aching for that citizenship, as was in the news earlier on this week, they end up doing things that are very harmful for their children. As a farmer, and we, we thank the Lord that the farmer found them, found a family of children. They were, all of them were too young to live in, shall we say, that arid climate without an adult to help them. The youngest, if he had been hours later, would have died of dehydration. Parents abandon their children, hoping better for their children, but even better for their parents, for the prosperity that, that living in this country, and especially citizenship, gives. Jesus does something more than that. He doesn't abandon you for selfish reasons, hoping he can get citizenship. No, he came to the world so that he could live and win you by being perfectly obedient to the law. And then... He died to remove your sins so that he could purchase and win you into his kingdom. And now he sends the father. He's asking the father to rule over all things. And Christ has ascended truly ruling over all things for you. Citizenship has its benefits. You are a citizen of Christ's kingdom. And that means no matter what happens in this bleak wilderness of this world, even if they take your life, you have the lush flat pastures of being before the throne of God, God's heavenly kingdom, which is already yours. You have the benefit of knowing that God is ruling over all creation for you. Oftentimes, people go into other countries, American citizens, like college students, knowing these countries are hostile to America. They pay for dangerous tours, and sometimes they get in trouble. Why would they put themselves in such a silly situation? Well, they expect because of their citizenship that the Army, Navy, Air Force, and Marines are a common. They don't figure out that for us to send our army, and that's actually an act of war against another invader, but usually our government, sometimes it takes time, extracts them from the foolish situation they put themselves into. 
Citizenship in God's kingdom means Christ is ruling over all creation for you. It means he has that army. And the angels, as they're described in the Bible, are not these sissy-looking things. They are powerful and scary, and he's using them to keep you. Yes, he has left you in this world. You are in this world, and we're going to get into some of those purposes. But in this world, you are a foreigner because you are the privileged citizen of God's kingdom. So that you have a tremendous joy all the time knowing God is watching over you, God is keeping you, you're already connected to him, and when you die, you do get that heavenly kingdom, the lush pastures of God's word. How do you have Christ's joy? You are a citizen of Christ's kingdom. Now going back to verse 11, Jesus says, and so I'm no longer in the world, and yet they on their part keep on being in the world, and I myself am coming to you. Holy Father, keep an eye on them within the confines of your name, which you have given to me, so that they may continue being one just as we are one. Now, the Greek preposition there, I translate within the confines, within the boundaries of your name. Today, we can miss what's going on there in our postmodern society. We give our children's names because those names mean something to us. But we forget how important a name used to be. For example, in the medieval ages, if your last name was Cooper, that meant you made buckets. If your last name was Taylor, well, you were a tailor. You you, you took care of clothing. If your last name was Smith, especially blacksmith, you made things like door hinges. Now, it's very interesting because psychologists have seen that within the male mind, most men get their self-worth, their self-esteem by their occupation. What do you do for a living? I keep people safe as a police officer. What do you do for a living? I make sure people have sanitary water. I'm a plumber. And they actually, this is, this is really important to the male mind. Now, the female mind tends to be a little bit different. It, it's also important with the name, an occupation like mom. Women are, are constantly told put their careers first, but they actually find that mom is the most important for most women. In fact, if the woman's occupation is keeping her, 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 voc- her, her job is keeping her so busy that she's not able to keep up with her houses clean, that's what gives her a low self-esteem oftentimes is my nest is a mess. But occupation, whether it's your job or a calling such as motherhood, that means a lot. Those names tell you what they do. And God's name are the ways that God reveals to you all the things he does for you. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Gracious One, Merciful One, Savior, All-Powerful, All-Knowing, Present Everywhere. Keep them within the confines of all the things that you reveal to them that you actually do for them. And Jesus is true God, so he was able to keep them within the confines of that name so that they can remain united. When we teach a falsehood against God's word, we are lying about his name. We've stepped aside. We'll get in a little bit more in that word here in a minute. So Jesus continues praying. When I was accompanying them, I myself was keeping an eye on them within the confines of your name. In other words, within the confines of everything you reveal that you do for them, which you have given to me, and I did closely guard them. And so not one of them was utterly lost with the exception of the son of annihilation. We could translate that utter destruction with the result that the scriptures were fulfilled. I want to comment here just briefly off the topic. Judas chose to betray the Lord. But Judas was offered all the privileges of God's kingdom. For three years, he got to see all the joy of it. And yet, the things of this world, money was more important to him. 
that God had showed people so they would know who the Savior, that one close to him would betray him, but also that he didn't lose the other ones that were close to him was also predicted in Scripture. So he continues, yet I am now coming to you and am speaking these things in the world in order that they may keep on having the joy which is mine, having been filled to the full in themselves. There is a joy when you are kept within the confines of God's name. Now, let me speak that to you in regular modern day English. When you were baptized, when you were brought to faith and the Holy Spirit gave birth to that new man that is connected to Christ, it's like God stamped his name, property of God, right there on your forehead. That would dominate your thoughts. He stamped his name right there on your right hand. That would dominate your works. Not works done in order to be saved, but because you know that Jesus did all the work to save you, you now live within the confines of God's name. You are like a foreigner in a strange land here. I've had friends that are not from America. Their accent and some of their customs give away. Sometimes I truly admire them. You live with Christ's name on you. And whether you're a plumber or a nurse or a policeman, a firefighter, uh, a carpenter, you're a Christian at that. God's love, God's grace, all those things about God's name, they shine through you. And yes, God is keeping you from the evil one because property of God is all over you. And so we see that you have a tremendous joy because God keeps you within his name. He is ruling over all creation for you, having stamped property of God right on you. So no matter what happens in this world, as long as you do not renounce that name, as long as you do not renounce your citizenship, you know God is using it for your good. So how do you have Christ's joy? You are a citizen of Christ's kingdom. And because of that, God keeps you in his name. He has written that. You literally have his name, Christian, Christian. All over you, you live this world with your Christianity, Christianity shining through. Now, Jesus continues. I myself have given your word to them and the world hates them. They hate them because of God's word. Verse 17, Jesus says, set them apart as holy within the confines of the truth. The word which is yours is truth. God's protection never comes with a lie. But we live in a tremendous lie. Now, let me just give you an example. Again, I don't want to get into the politics of it. I've probably become more aware of it because I'm older and have more interest. But I have literally watched live events on the news and then turned around and come back half an hour later and watched where news channels have selectively edited, like cut the clip off, or they have changed it, cut out a key segment, I said, wait a minute, I saw this happen half an hour ago. You are lying to me for your political agenda, and you are destroying somebody in that process. See, the world is full of lies. This is the devil's world, and he's the father of lies. Nobody's a better liar than him. He's such a good liar that even Pilate had recognized a politician 2,000 years earlier when Jesus was standing before him. He said, what is truth? See, the biggest lie you and I deal with is the lie that the devil has that we're not slaves to him. He wants us to think, and sadly, there are confused Christians who actually are the devil's tool in propagating this lie, that it's slavery to be in God's name, to be a Christian, because then people think there's all these rules that you have to follow, as if suddenly you come into a terrible dictatorship of a country where nobody dares speak out. But see, that's the devil's lie. 
Because in our natural condition, until the Holy Spirit gives birth to that new man, you and I are slaves to the devil and we are going to hell. Period. End of discussion. The devil doesn't care what you believe so long as you do not trust 100% in Jesus as your Savior. He has baffled, he has fooled and lied to Christians throughout the centuries telling them, Christ did all, 99% of the work, there's just 1% of the work you have to do. You have to be sorry enough. You have to do enough penance. You have to give enough offering. But you know the problem is, then we never know, have I done enough? But God comes to us with the truth of his word, showing we are slaves to the devil until God gives birth to our new person, giving us that heavenly citizenship, and the brilliant light comes shining through. Alleluia! I have a Savior! God's name is all over me! I'm in his kingdom! What a wonderful joy that is. Now, the devil has other lies that he likes to propagate with us. One of the lies is, first of all, he tells you, you can earn your salvation. I've already kind of covered that, haven't I? No, Christ did all the work. And that's one of the big lies he gets you to believe because then you're not relying on Christ. Another lie that he likes to tell you is, it's okay, you commit that sin. He uses your sinful nature to do this. It's his puppet. You commit that sin, it's no big deal. Even maybe you'll think, how dare God consider that a sin? And then you commit it and then he just screams out in your ear like a, like a tornado whistle. How could you? God will never forgive you. There's no forgiveness for you. Even Judas, if he had turned to the Lord for forgiveness, would have received it. The devil likes us to live in his lies. Pilate asked, what is truth? In our world today, in our postmodern society, if you ask what is truth, often you'll have people say popular opinion. We've already covered how our media can lie to the masses and how the devil has lied to the whole world. Popular opinion, I'm not going to put my eggs in that basket. Here's one that, that I actually often enjoy. What is truth? Science. Oftentimes when you find politicians or the news touting out science, what they really mean is popular opinion. But I'm going to tell you, I'm a big fan of the scientific method. The scientific method does not necessarily reveal truth, though. The scientific method reveals the principles that God established to govern this universe. And it is a blessing. Because, for example, understanding concepts like gravity, I can rely on that and design things to help me. But when we start applying science to God, that is when we get into trouble. See, you've heard me say in, in many sermons before that, for example, the doctrine of the Trinity, it defies science. God created science, the scientific principles that govern this universe. He's above them. Christ, true God, becoming true man, defies science. There really is only one truth in this world that is one lie of the devil enmeshed upon the other and human beings lying to each other for their own selfish ends. And that truth is when God's word comes and shows us, one, you are dead in your sins and a slave to the devil. That's what the Ten Commandments do. They show us our sin. Two, God took on human flesh. He kept the law perfectly for you. That's his active obedience. Then he died for you because he put your, he'd suffered the punishment for your sins. That's his passive obedience and he rose for you. God's word of truth is a brilliant light shining through this beacon. As you and I live in this bleak wilderness, we have the joy of always knowing the truth. The rest of the world may be, may be full of the lie and never know it. Although we're going to get into a minute, you get to proclaim that and be that light. You have a joy in knowing the truth and knowing it's not this world of darkness that I'm going to get attached to. 
I'm looking forward because I'm already a citizen of God's kingdom. He's already ruling in my heart. I'm looking forward to being before his throne and the new heavens and the new earth. How do you have Christ's joy? You are right now a citizen of Christ's kingdom and you have all those benefits. And one of those big benefits is God keeps you in his name. His name is all over you. You're a Christian. You have God's word. It is a light in the darkness and it guides you all the time. And you have the joy of knowing when the devil uses your sinful nature, say, God can't forgive you. You have the joy of saying, nope, my sins were forgiven 2,000 years ago. I'm a citizen of his kingdom. Now, going back to verse 17, Jesus says, set them apart as holy within the confines of the truth. The word which is yours is the truth. Just as you sent me into the world with the commission, I myself have also sent them into the world with the commission. Notice, I translate that word with the commission. Jesus was given the commission to save you. It is active and passive obedience. Now, he sends us out to be that light of his world, word, to reflect that glory. He says, I am setting myself apart for holy purposes for their sake. Now, the Hebrew word, and we're working in, in the Greek language here, but for example, if something, kadosh, if something was set aside in the Old Testament, for example, for use in the temple, that was set aside for God's purposes. Even though it might be a wash basin similar to, for example, or, or, a, or a table for bread that, that people would use in their homes, it was set apart for, for God's use. So Jesus was set apart to be our savior. He's, he's gonna act as a priest, especially when he dies on the cross, but he's still interceding for us. So he says, and I'm setting myself apart for holy purposes for their sake in order that they may also continue being those having been set apart for holy purposes within the confines of the truth. Now we translate that set apart for holy purposes as sanctified. You have been set apart for God's purposes within the truth. Remember that truth of the word that I just covered. Peter has a very simple way of covering this in his first epistle. He calls it the priesthood of all believers. Whenever you come to others in this bleak wilderness who are dying of dehydration, they are like children who cannot help themselves. They need the word of God. And you come and you show them you're dying. You're a slave to the devil. And you give that, you are giving them a drink of the water of the word, but that's the medicine. It stings to go down. Then you heal them. You give them the refreshing, cool water of the forgiveness of sins that they have a savior. And so whether you are a nurse, a plumber, a teacher, a doctor, a policeman, you are a Christian doing that. If you're a mother, you're a Christian mother bringing your children up knowing that they have a citizenship in heaven. So in that aspect, you have been set apart for God's work. You have his word and all of his glory and love and, shine and grace shines through you. What a joy and privilege it really is when you see a friend who is weighed down by the things of this world to be the one that God uses to put the canteen of his word to their lips and pour the blood of Christ upon them. God is ruling for you. You are now a citizen of his kingdom. He has forgiven you. There is a joy. So how do you have joy, have Christ's joy according to this text? You are a citizen of Christ's kingdom all the time, 24 hours a day, unless you renounce your citizenship. You have the privilege of knowing God keeps you in his name. Property of God stamped on you. You are a Christian, a Christian. You have God's word, a light of truth and the refreshing water in this bleak wilderness of this world until you are in heaven and you have been set apart for God's work. What a privilege it is to get to share that citizenship with others. Amen. 
And now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead, our Lord Jesus Christ, that great shepherd of sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen.